The Word of the Lord from Isaiah chapter 26, verses 6 through 9. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our gospel proclamation is the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah that I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for the 19th Sunday after Pentecost, Some God News. The actor John Krasinski started the YouTube news network S. G-N, which stands for Some Good News. It was a lighthearted attempt to bring some levity to the Wuhan coronavirus lockdown of 2020. With hopes that spirits could be lifted, millions tuned in just to hear some good news for once. The production level was low, the newsy turns to the camera were delightfully comical, and the news was, in fact, good. There were stories of heroes, interviews with interesting people, and tender tales submitted by the subscribers to the channel. Now, with over 40 videos to date, added special segments, and guest reporters, it has expanded to a regular audience of over 2 million people who just wanted some good news. And we needed that didn't we? With skyrocketing rates of depression, increasing alcohol abuse, and the runny joke being, we all came out of the lockdown, either a monk, or a drunk, or a chunk, or a hunk. Well, what was bad seemed more prevalent than good, and some good news was a welcome voice in the wilderness of our despair. Likewise, the people of God were looking for some good news. And while it was not a plague, it would be the scourge of the Assyrians that would come shortly after Isaiah's calling, taking their families away. And then, just a few generations later, the Babylonians would come and take almost everyone away into captivity. Like pastors today borrowed the prayers from Luther's day when he weathered their plague, you can just imagine Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel scouring Isaiah's prophecy to comfort and encourage the people of their day. There is good news herein, and we should all be encouraged by what it says to all of us today. I've been teaching 6th, 7th, and 8th graders for over 25 years now. 
beginning with Marcy and me teaching over 60 kids in junior high youth and middle school Sunday school at Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, before I was a pastor, to now over 20 years as a pastor teaching confirmands and the last 12 our 8th grade religion course at Faith. Many of you may not agree, but the best age is the middle school age. Let me tell you why. They are still young enough that I don't have to be cool for them to listen to me. And they're not yet too cool in and of themselves to have fun in class. Now, I know that many of us who have had children in that age range in the home remember that as some of the most difficult years with a kid. Going through the change, turning from a child to a young adult in front of our eyes, it can and usually does wreak havoc on the parents. But the secret I have learned over the years is that a word of encouragement will travel light years, while a word of discouragement will barely get them to budge an inch. When I have found an honest quality in a middle schooler that I can key on and boost them up with, they rise to the occasion. They work harder than they ever have before, and small rewards become epic marks of accomplishment in their lives. It's as if you'd waken the dead and watch the lights come on in their eyes when they realize they have worth in your eyes. The people of God in Babylon indeed felt dead. They lost their homeland. Some lost their families. They lost their language. They lost their cultural identity. And with the destruction of Jerusalem and their temple at the hand of their Babylonian captors, they even feared losing their spirituality. As the pastors desperately searched the Torah, the prophets, and the words of wisdom, God and his omniscience already had today's passage prepared for them in advance. Isaiah promised them Babylon's fall in chapter 13 of the prophecy and predicted the arrival of Cyrus the Persian as God's shepherd to repatriate them to their promised land. And as sure as this has happened in all the historical records of note, even more was to come, even greater than that. For as Isaiah says so winsomely today, God's people were about to be wakened from the dead, and their celebration would be back on the holy mountain of God in the glorious city of Jerusalem itself. So God's people came back. First under Ezra, and Zerubbabel's temple was built so they could worship. Then Nehemiah returned, and the walls of Jerusalem were restored so God's people could be safe. Likewise, we have returned to our sanctuary from our long lockdown exile in our homes and later in our gym. But in Isaiah's day, God's people quickly forgot and Zechariah would have to warn them of false teachers who rested comfortably in the glory of the new temple, protected by their own perceived security of the new wall. Then Malachi is sent and denounces his people severely because they do not give the priests their tithes and offerings and other services. Even when they gave them, they did it faithlessly, sick and blemished sheep, for example. Whatever they did not want themselves, 
had to be good enough for the poor priests and preachers. Then, not long after Malachi, the prophets stopped coming at all for four centuries until John the Baptist cried in the wilderness. Today's passage would again be their hope in unspoken times, especially verse 7. And the covering and the veil would reveal themselves again in a certain and eternal fulfillment of God's kingdom of redemption forever. I don't know if you know this, but from ancient times, the tabernacle and each subsequent temple had a carefully woven curtain that divided the Holy of Holies where God dwelt from the rest of the people. Only once a year was an approved priest allowed to enter. And even then, with a rope tied to his ankle, should he unfortunately die in there at that particular time, the other priests could safely pull him out without dying by entering there. This is the exact same image and language of the covering cast over all the peoples in our lesson today. And the veil that is spread over all the nations is the exact rendering for the veil that is laid upon the face of the dead when they lay them in their tomb. The Holy Spirit's inspiration of Isaiah not only comforted God's people in their day, but he prophesied yet again comfort for all God's people in every day going forward. For the death of Jesus caused the temple woven curtain six inches thick to rip into, showing there would be no penalty of death for coming into God's presence because Jesus' death paid the price for everyone and brought us into eternal fellowship with God forever. And Jesus' resurrection showed us the veil had been removed from Jesus' face in his tomb, folded up and laid aside, showing us the veil that spread over the nations was removed and no longer prevented them from becoming God's promised people. A curtain no longer separates and a veil no longer covers in the eternal dirge of death. Now it is life in Christ for all who believe he is their Lord, he is their Savior, and he is the Redeemer of all the nations forever. This is some good news. And you know this gospel truth. But there's even more. Whenever we get a chance at church in the coming weeks and months, I am going to make every effort to share some good news whether it is yet another miracle at the school during the week, the wonders of individual members are receiving from God, or the prayers answered in breathtaking ways. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure we are sharing that good news. So help me by emailing me your good news given to you by God. For Jesus himself, no one but God alone is good, and if you receive something good, it must be God's doing. God is continuously writing his fulfillment through his Holy Spirit right here at faith. So we are going to keep a record of it. We are going to share it so everyone can hear it. That is some God news we can and will always share. Amen.
Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.